Hey besties, welcome back to another episode here on 8th House. If you are here for the first time, my name is Kate. Welcome to the podcast. If you are a reoccurring listener, thank you so much for sticking with me through my abrupt disappearances because life has been lifing and we have been going through it a little bit over the past few months. So we are back with a rebrand, as you can tell from the cover art, the bio. I've actually also switched podcasting hosts as well to Spotify. So we've had a real little rebrand moment, which is so nice, so convenient. There is nothing I love more than a good rebrand. And it felt right to bring this back now. I mean, it is Valentine's Day week, which is one of my favorite holidays of all time. I am obsessed with it. And it is also the Leo full moon. And as a Leo sun and moon, this makes sense for me. So happy Valentine's Day if you are somebody who also loves this holiday. I've spent the entire week building up to this, buying myself an obscene amount of flowers and heart-shaped things. I went to Lidl yesterday, but in Lidl they had regular pretzels or heart-shaped pretzels, and I got the heart-shaped pretzels because I am obsessed with anything tacky and super commercialized. That is one of the things that I really do miss about America, was the way that they handled their holidays because it was insane. Valentine's Day in America is literally the craziest thing. I remember in school, and I don't know if they actually do it over here, but I remember in school we all used to have to give everyone valentines, but this was something that was not just like a primary school thing, like I'm pretty sure this continued late into high school. It was a big thing as well. You used to be able to buy like Valentine's Day grams and send them to people and they'd make a massive deal when they'd like walk in the room with them and they'd go over to that person's desk and they'd start like singing or like they'd give them one of those chocolate roses and make like a massive deal out of it and everyone would be like, who sent that to you? Obsessed. Obsessed with it. I really appreciate the Valentine's Day hype. I love the pink, I love the red, I love the obscene and obnoxious amount of hearts everywhere, but I also love the reduction prices on those massive heart-shaped chocolate boxes the next day, the 15th. Singles Awareness Day really comes through with those discounts. However, I know a ton of people hate this holiday because it doesn't hold the best memories for everybody, or you might just feel a heightened pressure around like needing to have somebody, but do not worry. I am a very strong believer that Valentine's Day is for everybody, and that Valentine's Day is 100% something that you can celebrate by yourself. I think it's one of those holidays, if not maybe the only holiday, where you can successfully celebrate that one yourself. I think in the whole five years of being with my boyfriend, I've spent one Valentine's Day with him and that was way back in high school. So if you are also in a distanced relationship moment or cannot see your person for Valentine's Day or cannot see your friends for Valentine's Day, go get yourself your Deliveroo, go get yourself your chocolate truffle tray, go and watch your rom-coms, buy yourself your flowers, especially with the fact that we have the full moon in Leo literally two days after and Leo deals with the heart. This is a big self-love week. This is a real putting yourself first, taking extra care of yourself because as Leo energy will remind you, there is nobody who knows you better than yourself. There is nobody who knows how to treat you better 
than yourself. So I thought with a Valentine's Day episode and love obviously being in the air right now, I thought I would do a little recap of kind of my winter favorites, January favorites, maybe even a little bit of what I've been consuming in Feb as well, and maybe even December, because I don't know about you, but those Venus and Mercury retrogrades that we had from December onwards wiped me out. It was weird because the Venus one was definitely like a prolonged experience. I could feel that kind of anxiety very present under the surface of everything, because that was happening in my second house of security. So I basically felt the rug being pulled out from underneath me 24-7 in like every single scenario. The past three months, February, January, December, have been big crumbling months for me. The future has been so present on the mind as has the concept of time, which is not surprising because we've had so many planets in Capricorn, both Mercury and Venus retrograde were in Capricorn as well, and Capricorn is ruled by Saturn, which is the planet of time. Now, Aquarius is also co-ruled by Saturn. So Capricorn season and Aquarius season, which we are currently in right now, are going to have us thinking so much more about the future and what is coming for us. But it's also really had us questioning our foundations, which has been such a strong thing that has been so reoccurring in literally everything. I keep having these really random breakthrough moments that have been very sporadic since about December time where I'll have this really strong download come through or this really strong message and I think in a way I had a bit of a spiritual awakening in January especially the beginning of January and I think it was interesting how kind of emotional the whole experience was for me. I was going through and reading my 2019-2020 journal entries and in February 2019 that was when I had my first real spiritual breakthrough moment. That was when I really decided I was going to start learning astrology and getting into all this spiritual stuff because I was on my gap year and I could not find a job to save my life. I had no idea what I wanted to do. At that point, I didn't even want to go to university. I was just in such a place of like fear and lack and I really did not think anything was going to kind of get better from that point. And then I had my real breakthrough, which I think was very much in time with the Pisces new moon. But there was so much peace that came with that awakening, and this idea has really been very present in my mind recently, which has been this idea of knowing why, but not necessarily knowing how. And I think that is the thing that is bringing me a lot of peace right now, is knowing my why, but not necessarily forcing myself to know how. And also trying to prioritize my peace over having the answers to everything, because the need for control has been again so so present with that Saturn energy and this need to have like a strong game plan but the words peace and harmony kept coming up for me all throughout December all throughout January and that is a real priority for me in 2022 is peace and harmony and balance those three things are really the driving force for me right now alongside my fourth word for 2022 which is celebration because that is one of the things that I struggle the absolute most with is celebrating my wins, whether they are big, whether they are small. It is so incredibly easy for me to support others in that way, but when it comes to actually supporting myself, 
and actually looking past that self-criticism and that self-critique it is just so difficult for me to celebrate and to feel proud of myself for literally even the most minor accomplishments like it's already february and i feel like there have been so many things already that i've been downplaying when realistically i really should have been celebrating those but i think this year has a lot of celebration-esque things happening especially with university graduation i also have one of my best friends getting married this year i've got concerts booked in holidays booked in there is a lot to celebrate and i think my brain is already kind of forgetting about this because 2022 is kicked off in a pretty rocky way not to speak it into existence but i was literally saying the other day that i felt like I had almost gotten off the hook a little bit too easy in January in the sense that I only really felt the retrogrades at the end. Mercury retrograde at the end took me out so horrifically in so many different ways. Also, if you can hear the wind right now, there is like a major storm happening. It is Sunday morning. I have a hot chocolate. I'm in a university study room and it literally looks like a hurricane outside but it's fine it gives us cozy vibes i feel like my water mercury almost prefers recording when it is raining outside because it just feels so much more cozy and so much more vibey and i am obsessed with that but yeah we are about to hit halfway through february and this month has already done more to me than i think january and december did combined but do you know what we're fine. It's Aquarius season. It's my opposite sign season. Literally every single planet is opposing me right now. So we are just going to rock and roll with it. Especially thinking of all of my fixed signs right now. If you have Leo, Taurus, Scorpio in your chart, you are probably having a little bit of a rocky Aquarius season as well. But if you're in the same boat, that's so fine. We're in it together. So let's talk about the winter favorites, the January favorites, maybe even December and Feb. If I can think of anything why is my brain just not functioning the detachment again i'm gonna say it, aquarius season has been so present i am just either too in my head or i don't feel connected to my mind at all like i literally feel like an entity floating above right now and just watching myself make all these decisions. But what is absolutely saving me right now is my more grounding practices. I've been so into chakra cleansing, chakra cleansing, I know people say it very, very differently, whatever you're into, you know? But before bed, I have been putting on those chakra cleansing frequencies because they have frequencies that resonate with different chakras. And I know some people are like, this is so completely out of my depth. Understanding the chakras and understanding the balance of them and the activation of them has absolutely changed just how I feel in my body, which has been good because ever since about October time, I've been having some health-related things happen that have made me feel very just kind of out of sorts with my body. I haven't felt very connected to it, haven't felt very safe in it. So these chakra practices are really helping me get back into it. Okay, so let me fill you in on January, the stuff I've been loving, the things that have been getting me through mentally. So yeah, I'm actually gonna kick this off with an experience I had in December. So basically my parents, told me and my sisters that we were going to go see a pantomime, which, listen, I love pantomime. I love it so much. It is high-key a mess, and I am obsessed with it. So I was buzzing, buzzing for this pantomime, 
And then Christmas came. So we were meant to be going and seeing that the week after Christmas. So anyhow, Christmas day comes around. Parents are like, okay, we have, you know, your Christmas gift. So they give me and my two other sisters these white envelopes with our names on them. And I'm thinking, what the actual hell is in this? And we open them and they are Hamilton West End tickets, which the scream that we let out because of that musical. Oh my freaking God. So obviously they had said, you're going to a pantomime. What they actually meant was you're going to go see Hamilton on West End. And I feel like I've actually seen quite a few people in the past few weeks go and see Hamilton on West End. And it was sensational. It's so weird when you know literally every single word to the script because you are literally saying it alongside with them. But I'd actually never seen anything on West End. I am a massive musical theater nerd, like the biggest. I got to go see Newsies and Cinderella on Broadway when we lived in America. And that was sensational. But I had never seen anything on West End, which was so weird because I was literally the only person in my family who had not seen anything on West End. Even my 11 year old sister had seen Wicked like a few months before. And it was freaking sensational. We went to go see one of the afternoon ones. So we didn't end up having the two main people for Burn Hamilton. But listen, I think that had we like no shade to the originals, but I think if we had seen the originals instead of the people we had seen it just would not have been the same experience because oh my god the way i was for jeremy jordan in 2013 is the way i will be for jake halsey jones moving forward like he was insane i cannot believe he is the hamilton understudy like the power the power it was insane and then jay perry was Aaron Burr and he was sensational. I think he's actually just been added to the main cast because I saw that Hamilton was now extending its run. But if you have the chance to go and see Hamilton, it is freaking sensational as expected. Like there is literally not a single bad seat in that room. The energy, it was so freaking good. So a couple of days after that, I went into a very intense Hamilton phase. But it is kind of a different vibe when obviously the soundtrack is not the show that you've seen and not the same actors because it just isn't, it just isn't the same. But Lin-Manuel Miranda, that man is literally running my Spotify playlist at this point because that new Disney movie Encanto, oh my god, the soundtrack for that slaps. That We Don't Talk About Bruno song is gonna be my number one for this year i just called dibs on it the melodies the harmonies lynn so i honestly cannot even give you music recommendations because for some reason music was just not hitting the same for me in january there was honestly no songs that i was liking i was getting so frustrated with the fact that i couldn't find anything good so it has honestly been the Encanto soundtrack. Disney movies have high-key been such a source of comfort for me over the past like four weeks. I think just being so emotionally unstable, there is such a sense of peace that those bring for me. When I need to cry at a movie, nostalgia is so much better for me than something actually sad. Because if I'm watching like a very depressing movie, like if I'm watching A Walk to Remember, for example, 
that is going to put me in a bad mood for about three to four days. Well, if I'm watching a very emotionally nostalgic Disney film, I'm able to snap out of that a lot quicker. So that is why I've been crying my eyes out to Disney films because that for me has a quicker recovery time. But I feel like the inner child has been grateful for this. So we are not mad about that. Speaking of kind of more children's shows, movies, books, I have been getting into Percy Jackson because one of my friends went through and read Percy Jackson over the summer and loved it. So I was like, okay, we are going to need to get on this. I've read books one and two. Book three, I'm finding it so hard to get into, but I need to just pick it up because once you're in it, it is so consuming. They are written so, so well. Like I see why people were so obsessed with Percy Jackson years ago. And in a way, I feel like it almost deserves the same hype as Harry Potter in the sense that it is so well done. But do you know what? I think it actually... Heike is getting a second chance, isn't it? Because I think Disney Plus has just decided to reboot it because they did the two movies with Logan Lerman, which I also watched over Christmas. I had never seen them before. And I was a big fan, a big fan of the Percy Jackson movies, which is probably controversial because I know people have very strong stances on that. I don't know how I didn't get into Percy Jackson because I was so obsessed with Greek mythology growing up and even now so obsessed with it. But I was still so down bad for the Hunger Games and Divergent. Any sort of dystopian thing growing up really had a real grip on me. I absolutely loved that whole vibe. But then when I moved to the UK, I got more into fantasy books over dystopian books, which was quite a big shift for me but I picked up a Sarah J Mass book selection thing at TK Maxx or TJ Maxx and I had been really into the Mortal Instruments that was probably my first gateway actually but even then Mortal Instruments had a weird sort of dystopian feel about it because it was very modern day but yeah so I am going through and reading Percy Jackson which has actually been such a good experience very light-hearted but it's also very immersive and that is the thing that I think I've missed the most about reading. I went through like a six month reading slump really and this was because I read Normal People by Sally Rooney and listen, I know that that book is so hyped on book talk. I have things to say about book talk and how just because a book is popular on book talk does not mean it is a good book by any means. And this brings me to a book that I also read last month called It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover. Sally Rooney and Colleen Hoover are the two authors that if I am seeing somebody say, okay, these are my top five books in the world and I see either of those women in it, I am automatically like, okay, not for me. And in regards to Sally Rooney, it's because I cannot physically read the way that she writes. It infuriates me but the mini series is very, very good. That is definitely one of the times where I would recommend the adaptation over the actual book. Now, Colleen Hoover, I have seen this book everywhere. I've seen it all over Pinterest. I have seen literally every single celebrity read this freaking book. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna try a Colleen Hoover book. This book almost put me in a literal book depression. It was, first of all, so completely different than I think what you were expecting because what book talk does very well is that it can romanticize the hell out of very problematic storylines. And obviously Colleen Hoover has written this book to be problematic in the sense that 
she's not writing this trying to romanticize it so I think a lot of it has probably come from book talk like the mindset that I went into it with but I think what didn't cut it for me is that you could immediately tell that there was going to be a problem with the guy the red flags were apparent by like chapter two so I could not fall in love with the guy that I think she was attempting to make us fall in love with. So I feel like that definitely impacted and influenced the way that I read the book because I literally could not care less about really either of the guys. Obviously one of them is significantly better than the other one, but both of them, there wasn't a real like backbone there for me. And because of that, it ends with us. I would not recommend it. I don't know if I'll read another Colleen Hoover book because I think from the sounds which she does write about very heavy topics, I could be wrong with that, but that book actually had me feeling like icky when I finished it. And obviously that's not exactly what we want from a book. So I'm not sure I'm gonna be running back to Colleen. I do have a couple of book talk recommendations that I'm gonna start reading this month. I've got Song of Achilles lined up. I know everyone under the sun has read this one. I'm so late on it. I just finished Red, White and Royal Blue, which was good. For some reason, it wasn't a five star for me. I don't know if that's just because I don't know if I'd go back and read it. Maybe I would in like a year or two years, but I definitely would not say that's one of my favorite books. Like I didn't finish it and was like, oh my God, obsessed, but it was very good. Like I'd give it like a 3.5, a four. I loved Alex so much. Um, I know that my friend who recommended it is a Henry girl till the day she goes, but I was team Alex. I liked Alex. I liked his vibes and it was cute. I can definitely see why book talk, especially the American side of book talk is so obsessed with that book because it is very much focused on London and England and Henry's role as the Prince of England versus Alex's first son of America kind of thing. So I can definitely see why American book talk is very much obsessed with that. I definitely preferred the first half to the second half. Like I would go back and read the first half 100%. Second half, I'd probably give that a skip. So if you were thinking of reading Red, White and Royal Blue, I definitely would because I think it is cute and it is one of the few book talk books that did not leave me like what the hell i'm trying to think what else i can catch you up on book wise i read the love hypothesis that was pretty good i read that in a day that was a very fast and cheesy read if you need something very very light-hearted love hypothesis is good i had no idea it was a kylo ren ray fanfic um, until after I had read it, which now looking back makes sense. Um, so if you were into Raylo fanfic, knock yourself out. You will probably enjoy that. Speaking of fanfic, before I forget this, there is a Netflix movie right now that has literally come out, I think in the past week, and it is either called Through My Window, Through His Window, Through The Window, something like that. <laughs> it is exceptional. And when I say exceptional, I do not mean this because it is a good movie. I mean because it hit 
pretty much every single checkbox that I needed it to hit the night I watched it. Me and the bestie did a Netflix party and we talked 24 seven through it because we set each other up on FaceTime and then we watch it as a Netflix party instead of just the constant typing. And we are always talking, like we are always, always talking, but there is a montage scene in there that we did not speak. We were silent for about three minutes and that was probably the longest silence of our entire friendship because we never shut up. That movie had so many silence breaks. <laughs> it was atrocious, but I cannot wait to watch it again. That kind of vibe. It is like a slightly younger version of 365 DNI or 365 days. It is apparently based off some sort of mafia Wattpad story, which I'm gonna need to hunt down and read, but that movie feels like a fever dream. The guy in it, I did not think was attractive at all until we got halfway through the film and I swear to God it was a different man because he did some sort of Nanny McPhee thing where in every single shot something new had changed to the point where at the end he looked like an actual Greek god to me because they're all named after the Greek gods, him and his brothers. So if you decide to go and watch that movie and you are thinking, what the hell? Please do not associate that with me. This movie is genuinely a roller coaster and I will be watching it pretty much every single night for the rest of the month. So if you are looking for a film to watch through the window or through my window or whatever it's called, watch it with subtitles instead of the English dub because I did see a little bit of the English dub version and it is harsh and just not what you need. So go and watch through my window. It is insane. I'm trying to think if there's literally anything else on Netflix. I watched Singles Inferno. I still haven't finished it actually. I haven't watched the finale, but I know what happens. So I probably won't ever watch the finale but Singles Inferno was actually pretty good. It was such a different dating show because it's based in South Korea in the sense of the lack of scandalous events. I'm not even sure if any of them kiss before the finale even if they do in the finale I feel like they don't but there is enough drama in it to make you insanely mad when like one person is just talking to another like there is that much drama in it but I think it was pretty good when I watched it I also watched The Hype House oh my god I have a lot of things to say about this but I don't know if I can remember everything now I watched The Hype House with my sister like two days after it came out or the day it came out I can't remember and that was such an experience, such an experience. Now, to give you an idea of the impact that this show had on me, the first episode is all based around Chase Hudson, Lil Huddy, and his music career that has been taking off. And after that episode, I went through and I added every single Lil Huddy song in existence to my Spotify album. <laughs> and I have to say, have I revisited it since? There is one song one little Huddy song. Let me see if I can find this. I think it's How It Ends by Huddy because that is his thing that hasn't he rebranded? So anyhow, I went through and I followed every single person. I came on Lil Huddy's Instagram now and he has completely rebranded. That is so interesting. Oh my god. Okay, I feel like I'm gonna need to do a uh, deep dive into this one. So yeah, the Hype House had a real grip on me for a while. I did end up following Vinnie Hacker on pretty much everything and I actually added his song Cavity to a few playlists and then I quickly removed it because it is not a good song. I am so sorry, Vinny. But yes, the Hype House was definitely interesting. It shines a lot of light on 
the whole idea of TikTok and TikTok stardom and the impacts of that. Weirdly enough, I feel like you do feel quite protective of them afterwards. Like if someone was to come in here right now and say a bad thing about Lil Huddy, I would immediately snap back and be like, do you actually know Chase Hudson? Do you actually know what he's like? Because I do. <laughs> so I do get it. I do get the fan base. I do get the Vinnie Hacker stands now. I understand where they are coming from. I will say the hype house phase lasted for a very strong week and a half for me and I've not thought about it since. I think I went through and I actually unfollowed the majority of people that I had followed in the first week, but still very supportive still very supportive about them. If there's a season two, I will definitely watch it. I would have loved to see a Hype House season with Charlie and Addison and Noah and that whole gang. I don't even know if they actually were the Hype House, but like the original, like when everything was taking off. I think that would have been high-key scandalous, high-key good. Would have been a big fan of that one, I think. So yeah, I think that has been pretty much the main things that I've been watching on Netflix. Every single person is telling me to watch Too Hot to Handle, which I will need to get on immediately because I haven't seen season two and I haven't seen season three. Speaking of shows outside of Netflix, actually, I did finally finish Modern Family. It has taken me so freaking long. Finally finished Modern Family. That was a real journey. A real journey for me and I did cry at the end because that family has gotten me through literally every single small bout of homesickness I've had at university. I also went and watched the new Gossip Girl and I loved it. I thought it was done so well. It was freaking me out the COVID references and the references to things that happened in 2020 because they had filmed a lot of this in like beginning of 2021 or maybe the end of 2020. And I don't know if it's my concept of time. I don't know if it's the fact that I literally can't remember a single thing that happened in 2021, but it feels like 2020 was literally a couple of months ago. So hearing people talk about that and the events and the situations was so weird. And it was weird hearing them talk about COVID like it was over because obviously it is still very, very present. So that was definitely interesting. Definitely an experience. I am a big fan. Cannot wait for season two. To think that they are currently filming that now but I don't even think that you need to have seen the old Gossip Girl in order to see it now because it is such a different vibe in the sense that you automatically know who Gossip Girl is as opposed to obviously not knowing who it was but I will say there is a real kind of love and hate situation going on with these characters I don't think there was one person that I loved consecutively throughout the whole series I think everyone will piss you off at least twice but it is like Gossip Girl I think that was Gossip Girl anyways like some days you'd hate Serena you'd hate Blair and then you know you'd watch the next episode and be like how dare I think that way about you but I did like it it was very relevant it was very interesting how they portrayed really rich families dealing with a lot of very prevalent scandals like they had a real me too movement episode span that i think was maybe two or three episodes and that was really interesting how they did that they also handled like protests and covid restrictions and like polyamory there's a lot that they did and they did a lot of it very well i feel so if you've been on the fence i would definitely recommend the new gossip girl because it did slap something else completely different i've just seen it on my spotify playlist as my most recently added song 
if you've been on TikTok recently and you've heard that audio of that guy from Heather's singing that Veronica song, you know, the one where it's like, Veronica, Veronica, over the door, please. Jamie Moscato, I think that's how you say his name, has been consuming a lot of time and space in my mind right now. That song I listen to so much. I would not be surprised. I think my Spotify rap is going to be a mess this year. Like it normally is, but this year I think it is going to be an actual disaster. Okay, I'm going through my Spotify now to see if there's anything that has been jumping out for me. I really have the messiest Spotify. I have Busted by Phineas and Ferb directly above Dark Paradise by Lana Del Rey. And then directly under that, Another Love by Tom O'Dell. And directly under that, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? from The Lion King, which is messy. I don't know what is currently happening there. What have I been listening to recently? Tate McRae, actually. This was an interesting one because I feel like I have not heard a lot of her songs. She comes up for me on TikTok quite a lot, but there's a new song she's come out with called She's All I Wanna Be, and that is a very good song. There's also a song called You by her and Troy Sivan and Regard, which very very boppy. I have a lot of Lover by Taylor Swift on here. I think I'm kind of going through my Lover era. I don't know why I really thought 2022 was gonna have 1989 vibes, but I'm not mad. I feel like that's a real safe space for me right now. Red Taylor's version, I feel like I have not revisited properly since about November time. Now, don't get me wrong, I freaking love the re-recordings. I love that she's doing this. I love the new content. But I do think that because these albums have such a specific time place in my life that it is weird going back and re-listening to a lot of the songs. The All Too Well 10 Minutes though, that is in every playlist as always as it should be. I am so intrigued to see which one she's gonna do next because I know everyone's tied between 1989 and Speak Now. I am so intrigued to see which Taylor's version she is gonna drop next. I am an idiot actually, can I just say before I say any of this, obviously next to it, it says TV, like red TV, red Taylor's version. My dumb self literally thought that was like TV, like she was releasing like some sort of red on TV thing. Like my brain did not click, did not make that correlation. And I was calling it red Taylor's version, but I thought red TV was something different. Don't know how that happened, but it did. I can see her doing 1989 before I can see her doing Speak Now. And I don't know why that is. I wonder when she's gonna do Taylor Swift debut because say what you want about that album, that is one of my favorite albums of her. I freaking love it. And it does not get enough hype. But I'm thinking if she's done Fearless and then she's done Red, she might revisit Speak Now and then do 1989, but this woman is unhinged. Do you know what? I take it back. I think she might do Speak Now next. And I think that because the music video that she did for the bonus track with Blake Lively, that was like a wedding-based one. And Speak Now has Speak Now, which is a wedding-based song. But as well, Better Than Revenge and Enchanted are the two Taylor songs that have been trending the most on TikTok. So surely we must be getting Speak Now next. I feel like 1989 is too obvious in the sense of like everyone is kind of expecting her to do that one. And like I was saying, Taylor, I love you. You are literally unhinged in the way you are releasing these things. So my bet is Speak Now. Maybe in, what do we think? Like Speak Now Spring? Speak Now Summer? Reputation Autumn? And then maybe 1989? I'm wondering if we're getting like any new music 
because I would not be surprised if she just dropped that one out of the blue as well. And if that is going to be like Folklore and Evermore, because I would do anything, anything for Evermore. That album, The Grip, that Evermore has on me in my top three. I also had no idea the whole album is literally one hour long. Like I've just scrolled down. How interesting. Now, other female artists I'm obsessed with, Gracie Abrams, I love you. I am seeing her in May. I'm also seeing Bastille, and Bastille, my number one. They are so good. They are so ahead of their time. I will never shut up about how undervalued Bastille are, but my God, I am seeing them in April, and I think that is gonna change me as a person. I swear to God, if you hear from me after April, I'm gonna be a different woman, I promise you. I actually have a concert in like two weeks, which I am hiking nervous for because it is a KSI concert. And I have seen concert videos of those audience members and I think it is literally gonna be me surrounded by roadmen. So I'm intrigued, I'm interested. I think it will be an experience for sure. I mean, I'll fill you in after it happens. I'm sure it'll be so fine. Who else? I'm seeing Griff in March as well, which I am so freaking excited for. She is so good and I think she's gonna be like Dua when she takes off. I got to go see Dua in 2018, 2019. I think it was 2018 actually for like 15 pounds in Brighton we somehow ended up with second row because we were waiting in this massive line and there were doors behind us but they did not look like they were opening at any time soon for some reason those doors opened first over like the ones at the very front and we snatched second row and it was literally the most insane experience like when i say she was sat in front of me like where my mic is now if i put my hand out i could have touched her leg but when someone is actually in front of you, it's like, that's weird. Like, that's creepy. Like, I didn't want Dua Lipa to think I was like freaking, like, you know, like, <laughs> why would I, like, why would I reach out and just grab Dua when she's literally sat there and she's like a human? What was so bad though about it, which still makes me cry laughing to this day, is that I knew every song on that album but one. I did not know one song. It was called New Love. Before Dua sings the song, she goes, this song is the most important song in the world to me. I wrote this song when I was 19 and like, I cannot wait to sing it for you. She gets in the crowd. She is essentially sat on the barricade. Again, I could put my hand out and be touching her arm. And she is like singing into the eyes of everyone in the first, second and third rows. So me and Ames are both at this concert and neither of us know the words to new love, which is devastating because after the concert that became our favorite song. But for some reason it was a skip before the concert. So anyhow, Dua is there singing, singing, looking into the eyes and we don't know the words to the song at all. And the girls in the front row are singing it, crying their eyes out. And Dua is like looking looking at us and we don't know the words so <laughs> i am mortified so i just turn to the girl in the front row and i'm just like isn't she beautiful <laughs> like isn't she stunning and we like are striking up this conversation and i am just pretending i am so in awe and so in shock like i was like 100 i was so because i didn't know the words i was filming and taking pics and just saying like oh my god 10,000 times because I was trying to play with the fact that I didn't know the words of this song and Dua Lipa was directly in front which 
is iconic because obviously that experience would never ever happen now she is a global superstar i love this for her but that was so funny looking back like an actual mess of a situation how those doors opened before the people that have been queuing for literal hours i do not know and i did feel for them a bit but i also wasn't too upset for them because i was like second row and it was so weird and so insane and such a freaking good experience and we love supporting artists before they get so big that you have to start paying so much freaking money to go and see them shout out harry freaking styles but that is all i'm gonna say on that one okay it is full-blown storming outside and i've got to trek it home and hope that all of my technology doesn't break in my little tote bag which could unfortunately be a pretty risky reality i am so aware that this episode was all over the place but i hope that you enjoyed it to some extent happy freaking valentine's day i will probably be stuffing my face with those heart-shaped pretzels as I edit this episode but sending you so much love so many healing vibes if you are also going through a weird detached obstacle ridden life period I am completely there with you so take it easy on yourself and I will see you for another episode very soon